Yeah, I still remember actually the uh, first evening when I got Commodore 64. It was Christmas 1984. I think it was 84. It might have been Christmas 1983 because then I would have been six years old. My name is Jukka Paulin and you are listening to the podcast about my path as a developer. Uh, This is the second part where I'm going through my Commodore 64 years. You better stay tuned. Commodore 64, if you don't know, is a gray box. It's a home computer. It came out to the market in the beginning of 1980s. It was, and probably still is, if you don't count mobile phones, it was the best-selling home computer ever, which is quite legendary. The history of Commodore 64 is definitely worth looking it up in the internet. It's really interesting story of entrepreneurship and how a market niche can be seized. So, me, my dad, my mom and my sister, we were all sitting uh, in the couch. It was this, uh, it was this, I would say that it was, it was kind of a, it's, it's really difficult to pinpoint exactly, but I, I would say it was this kind of dark couch, maybe velour or something. And there was a round table, a wooden round table. Uh, we were in the living room. Uh, back then living in a place called Lohja in Finland. And uh, we opened the parcels. I don't remember exactly what happened then, but basically the next snapshot of this is that we got the Commodore 64, its huge charger plugged in and a TV cable plugged. So now the home computer has a display, it has power, and we switch on it. My dad has been trying this computer for some time because uh, he was a pioneer in understanding that the demo effect is very real. So whenever you're trying to demonstrate something, uh, things might go wrong. So he usually had this habit that he would always check beforehand and, and try to accommodate himself to get enough skills to bootstrap others when introducing technology. So here I was and we were like drawing colored lines horizontally on the Commodore 64 main screen. Commodore 64 boots into BASIC. At that point it shows the legendary version number and states that there is 38,911 bytes of free RAM. I remember these numbers without any, uh, I don't have to check these, I just remember them. Uh, That important, the Commodore 64 was to me. It's kind of amazing. Uh, It's a legendary machine. I still look up casually games in YouTube people are playing with Commodore 64. It got thousands of games. Back then uh, piracy was the norm. It wasn't even illegal so we got games basically by buying and then I just supplied a free K 
cassette tape, 60 minute or 90 minute cassette tape, which could hold about, well, depending on how you hacked the data into the cassette, it could either hold one or two games or it could hold uh, 50 games. Because somebody tweaked the method of saving data to a MC cassette, so-called turbo loaders, and these turbos, uh, they were really cool. I, I still up today, I don't know how they work. Is it some kind of a Lampel-Zeev uh, compression or what? But the result was that the MC cassette became like a almost like a huge holder of, of stuff. You could really save a lot and, and the load and, and storage times were compressed significantly also. So it was it was a big game changer. Anyway, with Commodore 64 I also did actually my formative years of understanding everything about how computers work. I started with drawing those lines with the cursor, uh, going back and forth. Quite soon I was writing some rudimentary one-line programs which printed the uh, legendary so-called heart symbol on the screen. The heart symbol means it's a token in BASIC, Commodore 64 BASIC, and the heart symbol tokenizes a clear screen kind of control command. So if you print double-quoted the heart, it means clear screen. From that I went onwards to maybe creating like programs worth uh, 25 lines, 50 lines. I think the biggest Commodore 64 basic programs I did were a couple of... Uh, one game which was called Avarus Romua, the, the space trash, which also included my very first music piece, which was hideous. And, and then I uh, programmed some utility programs like storing the personal data of all my friends on computers, like Facebook of the era. By the way, this, this same thing I, I, I bounced when talking to a friend. He also had Commodore 64 and he said one of his first ideas there was to store friends' data on the computer. I did it in kind of a database-ish way. He did it in uh, storing it procedurally with if-then-else statements. It was really common to have these kind of ideas. So we're talking about the years 1987 maybe when this happened. One night uh, I just couldn't let go and I read and tried and tried and tried. I went to sleep at about 4 a.m that morning. I was a kid. I was maybe nine or ten years old back then, something like this. I learned how to do machine language on the Commodore 64. It was this this legendary kind of first all-nighter that you're just so focused, you're just so in the flow. You just want to know and succeed and you want to push and you, you don't want to let go. Uh, I learned how to load accumulator LDA, how to store accumulator STA, so it puts a byte into memory, and how to get back from this routine to terminate the program. Imagine, load something to a temporary register in the processor, store this number to a memory location, 
and third, get back from the program. That is all you need, basically, to do some effects. If you're willing to do this, it actually, like, uh, 12 years later, in university, I learned that this is the kind of universal Turing machine, almost. It lacks the capability of, of explicitly reading a memory location. Uh, so it's kind of not, but almost. It's really interesting that learning computers uh, this way, you know, doing basic and rudimentary assembly language with just the basics. You don't have to learn assembly very far to understand that this is how the universal computer, which helps you understand how all computers work, even nowadays. Uh, now in 2018, when there's so much of new technology seemingly popping up, this kind of intuition is something that everyone who is interested in computer science, programming and development should grasp at some point in their lives. And it's really fun. This was the part, the second part in my computer science slash professional developer podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for the third part.